Hi everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here, great to have you back. Flying solo again this week, but don't worry, we'll be teaming up with Jeff shortly. Wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of EC2 instance families this week. Uh, it's a topic we probably haven't spoken enough about lately and it's worth revisiting because in my visits to many, many customers, often people will deploy their applications on their EC2 instances and move on with life, which is kind of a good thing. But we need to remember that in the cloud, things change and we have the opportunity to constantly optimize what it is we're doing. So if you consider the old days where you'd have a project and you'd choose a size of server with a particular CPU and a particular amount of RAM and you'd install your application and that's what it was for the next three to five years until the hardware refresh took place. We live in a very different world now. We live in a world where you can pick and choose and change your instance type whenever you want to. And this has an effect over time as instance types develop and change. This means that you can get access to better price performance. You can get access to a better combination of RAM or CPU or blend of the two or particular storage types that suit your particular application. So what I'll do is quickly run you through, in the general sense, the families that we have in EC2. And then we'll talk about how you go about analyzing your application to make sure you're in the right location and some of the things you can take advantage of as well. So let's begin. Firstly, the general purpose case. Where do you start? We start with our friends, the T2 instances. These are a nice kind of baseline level of CPU performance with the ability to burst above the basic capability for short periods of time based upon a system of burstable credits. And this is kind of a system where you earn credits over time where you're not using the performance and then you get to kind of use them up uh, at the time of your choosing based upon the amount of credits that you have accrued. Now the T2 family starts anything from a T2 Nano which is one vCPU and half a gigabyte of RAM all the way up to the T2 Large which is two vCPUs and eight gigabytes of RAM. So this sort of family is very useful for development environments, build servers, code repos, uh, low traffic websites, microservices, little experiments, very small databases. It's just kind of like a, a playpen. Now Bastion host is also a good thing for this one as well. Very, uh, very good cost uh, basis to start from as well. The, uh, the M4 family is uh, our generation of general purpose instances. And this gives you a nice even balance of compute, memory, and network resources. And it starts at the M4 large with two vCPUs and eight gigabytes of memory. Uh, it also has dedicated EBS bandwidth ranging from 450 megabits per second. And then the M4 10X large goes all the way up to 40 vCPUs, 160 gigabytes of RAM, and up to 4,000 megabits per second. So that's some pretty meaty processing capabilities. Uh, there's also the M3 family, which uh, goes anything from one vCPU, 3.75 gigabytes of RAM, which is the M3 medium, all the way up to the M3 2X large, which is eight vCPU, 30 gigabytes of RAM, and steps in between that as well. These families are really good for small and mid-sized databases, data processing tasks, uh, caching fleets, running back-end servers for things like SAP, um, some cluster compute things, also some enterprise applications as well fit really well here. Then we have the compute optimized family. 
This is a C3 and C4 classes. Uh, C4, for example, you've got the C4 large, which is two vCPU, 3.75 gigabytes of RAM. It also has dedicated EBS bandwidth of up to 500 megabits per second, all the way up to the C4 8X large, which is 36 vCPU and 60 gigabytes of RAM and 4,000 megabits per second. So again, gives you a lot of performance, also support for clustering, which I'll talk about soon, and enhanced networking as well. This kind of family is useful for front-end fleets, web servers, batch processing, distributed analytics, um, high-performance compute, ad, ad servings, a popular one, gaming, MMO gaming, video encoding, etc. Then we have the memory optimized family. So these are things where, you know, RAM is what you want. Uh, one of our newest instance types is the X1. These are optimized for large-scale enterprise class in-memory applications, and they have the lowest price per gigabyte of RAM amongst all the EC2 instance types. Um, currently, we have the X1-32X Large, which has 128 vCPUs, 1,952 gigabytes of RAM, uh, 2 by 1,920 gigabytes of SSD storage on board, and it also has uh, 10,000 megabits per second of uh, bandwidth. The other uh, memory optimized family is the R3 family. And this ranges from the R3X large, which has 15.25 gigabytes of RAM, all the way up to the R3X large, which has 244 gigabytes of RAM. Hang with me, because we're nearly there. Lots of different kinds. Then we've got the GPU family. So this is the G2 family, which has uh, onboard uh, dedicated NVIDIA GPUs, which are very useful for 3D application streaming, machine learning, video encoding, etc. We have the storage optimized families, the i2 family. So these are the ones that have uh, high storage instances that have very fast SSD backed uh, storage that you can take advantage of. In fact, the largest one, the i2 8XL has 32 vCPUs, 244 gigabytes of RAM and eight by 800 gig SSDs. Uh, it includes things like support for trim, etc. So it's very good for things like Cassandra, MongoDB, uh, data warehousing, Hadoop, cluster file systems, etc. Then we have the D2 dense storage instances. And these are ones that have a significant amount of onboard hard disk drive space. So the D2 8X large has up to 24 2000 gigabyte hard drives. So this means you've got up to 48 terabytes of local storage. So these are really useful for MPP databases, that's massively parallel processing databases, MapReduce, Hadoop, uh, network file systems, etc. Now the point of taking you through this sort of potted tour of all the instance types, if you go to the uh, instance page on the AWS website, you'll see all of these listed out for you in a nice grid so you can do a comparison, is that you want to pick and choose carefully between these different instance types based upon your application's requirements. One of the beautiful things you can do with AWS is you can experiment. At very low cost, you can simply spin up a new instance, run your application on it and see, am I consuming all the resources? Am I making effective use of the RAM? Am I making effective use of the CPU, the network, the storage, etc.? And you can refine and balance it such that you only use the components that you're using and you're not having any wastage. Often I see people, as I mentioned earlier on, not do this for extended periods of time. 
the EC2 team works really hard to be always modernizing the fleet, bringing out new instance types that match customer requirements really well. So it's very beneficial to you to actually take a look at what instance you've launched on originally and see if you might want to change it to something that fits your application profile even better. Also, as you run your application over time, you'll get a better view of how your application runs. Remember, applications by default will be sending five-minute interval increments of performance data about CPU utilization, disk utilization, network utilization, etc. You can also publish RAM utilization internally if you want using custom CloudWatch metrics. So CloudWatch is the place to go to see what your current instances are doing and if you have an opportunity to optimize. Now you may say, Simon, how do I best test if what I think is optimizing really is optimizing? Well, the easiest way is to take a uh, AMI, so create an Amazon machine image of your running instance, and then run it up on a new instance type and see how it performs. Does it perform well? Run some stress test against it. Execute some load against it. Make sure that it's running the way you think it will run in reality. Then in terms of actually swapping over, it's pretty simple. If you're running uh, just something trivial that's a single instance, for example, you can simply stop the instance, change the instance type, and start it again. Or, if you're using auto-scaling groups, which really you should be, you simply update the launch configuration and you can start to gradually delete the older instance types out of the rotation and new ones will be created in the new instance type in their stead, which is pretty cool. Now, there are some other elements of these instance types that you're going to want to think about depending on your application. One of them is enhanced networking. Now, enhanced networking lets you get significantly higher packets per second performance, lower network jitter, and lower latencies. And this is done using a very specific, specific technology called SRIOV, which stands for Single Root IO Virtualization. Essentially, it's a method of device virtualization that gives you higher I.O. performance and lower CPU utilization compared to traditional implementations. So what this basically means is you get better performance. Now, the nice thing is it doesn't cost you any more to have it. You simply have to make sure you're using a HVM AMI and you need to make sure that you have the correct SRIOV drivers in there. Now the Amazon HVM Linux AMI has the SRIOV driver there by default, but for ones that don't have their, them uh, installed by default, you need to download them, they're available on the website. You can get them for Linux or Windows and you can install them and away you go. Now this only works, I'll point out, in Amazon VPC, um, but most people are using VPC these days anyway, so that shouldn't cause you any issue. So enhanced networking is a good thing, particularly for anything that is network sensitive. Another thing to consider is whether you're using clustering. So the M4, C4, C2, I2, uh, CR1, G2, HS1 and D2 instance types all support cluster networking. This means you can launch them into what's called a cluster placement group. And this is a logical cluster that provides high bandwidth, low latency networking between all instances in the clusters. Uh, this is really useful if you're doing any sort of MPI type programming and you need really a lot of uh, interconnect traffic going on between those instances, this is something you want to look at. Something else you may want to also consider is the need for EBS optimized storage or whether you want to take advantage of EBS optimized storage. Now EBS optimized is a really interesting capability. What it is that EBS optimized instances do 
is they make sure that you can take advantage of all the performance available on those EBS volumes. Uh, basically, it's a dedicated throughput capability between Amazon EC2 and Amazon EBS with options between 500 and 4000 megabits per second, depending on the instance type that you've chosen. The dedicated throughput minimizes contention between EBS IO and any other traffic on your EC2 instance. So this means you get the best performance for your EBS volumes. Uh, you would have seen, uh, if you looked at the list of all the instance types that I spoke about, there are certain ones that are supported with uh, EBS optimized instances. It is an additional low hourly fee to get to take advantage of that. But again, if you have an application type that requires fast access to storage and consistent access to storage, that's yet another step that you can take. So it gives you a lot of choice and a lot of power. So that's a little step back into the world of EC2 instances. There is way more that we could talk about. We could talk about uh, pricing strategies. We could talk about dedicated instances. We could talk about spot market, which we will in other podcasts. But really the main message I wanted to give you today is that the instance types are constantly evolving based upon what we see is the prevailing demand. So what are applications demanding from uh, virtual machines and virtual capability how can we best meet that at the best possible price performance? So go back, review what you've got, make sure your application is using the right amount of resource. Sure, you don't want it necessarily to be topping out at 100% all the time. That's never a good thing in, in most uh, capacity planning models. But you want to be running so that you're using a majority of the resource that you've got access to so that you're optimizing your use. You can tweak it, you can tune it, you can play with it as much as you like. Really easy to test. Pay as you go, pay for what you use. There's no excuse not to make sure you optimize exactly right. So I hope you enjoyed that. Look forward to hearing from you very soon. And until then, keep on building.